0: over the moon to be joined on Football CFB by a man who Aston Villa fans rate very highly to this day and rightly so. Ian Taylor started his career at Port Vale, he had a short spell with Sheffield Wednesday, he won the League Cup at Aston Villa, reached the FA Cup final as well and also had spells at Derby County and Northampton Town that had success in their own right too. Ian thank you for joining me.
1: No problem Callum, pleased to be here.
0: The first question I've got for you and it's I suppose about the present day, I mentioned in the intro you've got such an association with Aston Villa. You still attend games now. You still do bits and bobs in the media and for the club. Just what does Villa mean to you?
1: Well, where do I start? I think, um, obviously, I, I grew up in the area. I'm a Birmingham lad. And um, I did grow up in a Birmingham City predominantly area, predominant area. And, um, but I got, you know, there's a handful of us who wanted to go and watch Aston Villa. And um, and uh, I managed to to get through the blue side and uh, and support the Claret and blue side. But, you know, it was always, like every fan, a dream of mine to, to play for Aston Villa. And, you know, there were a few twists of fate along the way, but um, I managed to find myself there, which was, it was unbelievable, really, when you think about it and how it all happened and how I did get to Aston Villa. Uh, in the end, it's just it's it's pretty uh, dream-making stuff.
0: And in terms of getting to Villa, um, you started playing professionally at Port Vale. But what was your upbringing like with football? Who were your first ever heroes as such? Well,
1: yeah. Firstly, my upbringing, like I said, I was born in on the on the blue side of uh, of the city, and uh, well, not born but raised in the blue side of the city, and. Um, you know, I grew up watching the the league championship winning side and the European Cup winning side because um, I'm in my 50s now. So um, yeah, that that was um, that was my upbringing, and you know, my hero was Gordon Cowans um, because um, he was an all-action midfielder. Um, he's silky, but you know, had a little bit of a crunch in the tackle as well. I tried to model my game on him, but uh, failed miserably. <laughs> but um, now I. He, he was my hero growing up, but um, yeah, that, that side that won the league and won the European Cup, that was, uh, that was the team that I looked up to.
0: When you signed for Port Vale as, as, as a younger player, what was that experience and opportunity like? Because you make an impact at the club, it's safe to see very quickly when you get your chance.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot's made of um, the way that Jamie Vardy came through non-league and, and whatnot, and, and I had the same journey where I'd been playing non-league for, for a long time and I was working as well. Um, I was just working in a warehouse, driving a forklift truck and, um, and playing football part-time. But um, and I, thought, I never thought the chance had come along where I'd turned professional, but John Rudge, who was the manager at um, Port Vale at the time, um, came in for me along with a couple of other clubs and who were at a higher level. But um, I chose to go to Port Vale because I thought if I go to Port Vale at a lower level, I'd get in the team quicker, um, and I wouldn't be, you know, playing in the reserves and and maybe not getting a shot at first team football. So I picked Port Vale, and and as you said, I just hit the ground running when I when I got there, and uh, I, I think I scored 24 goals or something in, the, in my first season from midfield, which was, you know. I'd I'd had a reputation of doing that in my non-league days, but uh, to go into the league professionally and do that was uh, again a dream come true.
0: It was very special, and one of the moments that I imagine you still think fondly of in your career now is winning the the sort of football league trophy at Wembley. One of the players you played alongside was was Bernie Slaven. What was he like to play with? Because he's obviously achieved a lot in the game as well.
1: Yeah, Bernie's um, yeah, he's a bit of a cult hero. not, not just at Port Vale, but Middlesbrough as well. And yeah, he was an unbelievable player to play with great character, great in the dressing room. Um, I know he does a lot in the media these days and, uh, yeah, he's, he's a funny, funny guy to be around, um, but a great character and a winner in the dressing room. And he came to Port Vale in the second season. I was there, I think, um, and helped us to get promotion as well. So, um, yeah, I've got nothing but good words to say about Bernie Slater.
0: And in he had a dodgy he had a dodgy
1: haircut, but <laughs> I'll uh, I won't give him any more stick on that.
0: You mentioned promotion, and that in itself is an incredible achievement. But winning a trophy at Wembley, regardless of what level it's at, must be incredible. And for yourself, what was it like walking out at Wembley in a cup final at a young age? Well, the the
1: strange thing is I've. I don't, I'd never been to Wembley before that and um, let alone played there. So, um, you know, it was weird uh, that in itself, but um, especially in my first season in professional football to be playing at Wembley, um, not just once in winning that trophy, but twice in, in a week because we played in the playoffs as well, um, but but we lost. Um, it was just unbelievable. Um you know, I, I dreamt of scoring, but never managed it. But um, to be on the winning side was just amazing, amazing. And okay. the, actually, actually, even more weird than that, later on, I think in that season or the season after, I actually went to Wembley and watched the Villa play and would beat Manchester United in in the League Cup final and uh, and, and win. So um, that was another thing that was a special.
0: You mentioned how special that is, and of course it is. You're playing well at Port Vale, and there starts to be interest from other clubs. How did you handle that at the time?
1: I think um, you just try and cut it out of your mind. I think uh, just playing for Port Vale was a, a massive milestone for me and a, a massive thing. So I was just t- I was just taking that on board because I'd only been there um, for two years. So... Um, yeah, you you hear all the rumours and and whatnot, and all these you hear about all the scouts coming to the games and the big clubs, and but you just have to sort of block it out and just carry on and, and play your own game, really. But um, yeah, when when it did come down to it, I think there was Leicester and Wolves and Sheffield Wednesday came in for me, and um, you know I can't even I can't even remember why I chose Sheffield Wednesday, but. Um, Yeah, they were a big club at the time and they had some really, really good players there. And, um, you know, that in itself, just walking in the dressing room at Sheffield Wednesday with players like Mark Brighton, David Hurst, John Sheridan, Chris Woods, Des Walker was there at the time. You know what I mean? It was just a a team team full of internationals and uh, that was daunting in itself.
0: Overall, how do you reflect on your time at Sheffield Wednesday? Because, as I say so many people associate you with the Villa and for obvious reasons, but that season, although obviously it it didn't last long for you there because you went to Villa afterwards, it it was still an important part of your career.
1: Yeah, it was was a weird one. Um, I learned a lot while I was at Sheffield Wednesday and I was only there for, what, if you include pre-season, five months. So um, probably not even that. So, um, but I I learned such a lot because, you know, I was... I was staying at Des Walker's place and I was living with him. And the amount that I learned off him, who was a seasoned pro and international, it was unbelievable. But, um, you know, a I, I slight regret that I didn't kind of make it there. But, um, you know, I was being played out of position and not uh, not playing where I wanted to play, where, where was my best position. So, um, you know, it was one of those where um, Brian Little, who was... It just become manager at Villa. Um, he tried to sign me before I went to Sheffield Wednesday and um, it came about where Sheffield Wednesday needed a striker. Um, Brian Little still wanted me and, uh, and there was a swap deal to be done.
0: And in terms of Brian Little, I spoke to Brian, funnily enough, a fortnight ago and you were one of the players that he singled out as having real praise for in terms of application and technical ability. What was he like to work with? Because... People forget this, but when when you go into Villa and when Brian Little took over as manager, they were struggling at the wrong end of the table for that first six months.
1: Yeah, um, it was difficult because, I mean, like you said, we were talking about this the other day, myself and Brian, and uh, you know, when he first came into Villa, there was a lot of um, ageing professionals and a lot of lads who were coming to the end of their contracts and whatnot. And, and he had to sort quite a bit out, and, and I was his first signing when he came in. And again, that was daunting in itself because there's expectation on myself because Ryan Little had just become the manager on his first signing. Who is this guy kind of thing? You know, he's been at Sheffield Wednesday for five months. He'd just come from Port Vale before that in League Two. Um, so people were probably thinking, mm, I'm not so sure about this signing, but I had to prove myself and not just to the fans, but to the players in the dressing room as well. Because, again, like I said, there were a lot of internationals in that dressing room th- and they were probably thinking, who's this Who's this Ian Taylor who's just virtually you know, come out of non-league? So um, I had to prove myself pretty quickly.
0: Being a, a kid who was on the whole end and loved Villa to bits, what's it like when you walk out with that jersey on at a, a packed Villa park? Is it, is it something that get any nerves at all or is it more just sheer excitement?
1: Oh, massive. I think a bit... Probably 50-50 both. Big nerves, but um, oh, the the expectation as well. All my friends and family were there because you know we played at Arsenal uh, at Highbury in my first game, uh, my debut, where we drew 0-0. And then we, the, my next game was at Villa Park in, uh, against Chelsea, and um, the amount of tickets for family and friends that I needed to get for the game was unbelievable. But the nerves and everything, it was just unreal. But, you know, to walk out on at Villa Park when I'd only been there probably once before, I played there once before as a schoolboy in, in a cup final for my school, which, um, you know, there was no crowd there, obviously, and uh, it was totally different. But this was a different proposition altogether. Um, you know, hair stood up on the back of my neck and it was just unreal. But, to actually score on my home debut as well in front of the whole End where I stood as a kid was just something else.
0: It's something that I imagine is hard to, to put into words. But is that one of the moments, because of how much it meant to you personally, that you look back on with as much fondness as the trophies that you won too?
1: Yeah, um, I get asked the question a lot about, you know, what was my favourite goal? And um, it's definitely that one, my, my first goal at Villa Park. Uh, in my first game at Villa Park. And, uh, yeah, and it made it extra special being at the Holt End as well, where all my family and friends were stood, and where I used to stand. And, you know, so many people in the city that I knew that were Villa fans and growing up in the city. And, yeah, they're all there and um, it just made it extra special.
0: The the, the season after um, the, the relegation type struggle that that the club were under, when, when you initially going in and Brian goes in, changes to being... A squad that can start moving up the league. You finish fourth in 95-96. You score crucial goals against the likes of Manchester United and Leeds. What was that season like? Because it was a completely different animal villa in terms of where it was to where Brian Little had got it to. He got he seemed to get the club to exactly where he wanted it at that time.
1: Yeah, um, I'm sure. I'm sure when you spoke to Brian, he he said that he tried to model his team on the you know the European Cup winning side. And um, he, he tried to do that with us, although he did change the formation. And, um, you know, you were talking 25 years ago and Brian was playing three f- centre backs with wing backs and free midfield, um, you know, same as the, a lot of people are doing now. So um, we were doing it back then, but um, I slotted in nicely. And, you know, Brian brought in about four or five, five or six players. And um, the, we all settled in really, really quickly. And, um, you know, nothing better than to beat Man United 3-1 on the first game of the season as well. So, um, yeah, the the fans took to us straight away and um, it was a really, really good season.
0: I asked Brian about two senior players in particular, and you probably know who I'm going to ask about, but Andy Townsend and Paul McGrath, what were they like in and around that Villa team? Um, because one of the things that surprised me when I spoke to Brian, a lot of people see Andy Townsend as quite a, a serious guy, he's worked in the media but Brian was saying he was quite the joker
1: Yeah, very much so very much so, he was probably the loudest voice in the dressing room um, and always, always on the beginning of jokes uh, with people, so um, yeah he's a funny, funny guy and uh, yeah that, there was that was the thing about that dressing room, there's so many characters in the dressing room and it was a, it was a great place to be, but there were winners as well. You know, like you mentioned, Paul McGrath, absolute legend at Villa. Um, the fans used to love him and he was coming towards the end of his career, but, and he'd hardly train and he'd come out on a Friday and train with everybody else and then be the best player on a Saturday without training all week, which was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Cause he virtually only had one knee at the time. So, um, yeah, he did fantastically well for us. But I think you're right with uh, regards to Andy Townsend, probably one of one of the unsung heroes of that team at the time. Um, although he was captain, but um, he was a great leader, um, led by example, and, um, and he got some important goals as well.
0: I've got to ask you about the late Ugo Ekeog. he He passed away far too young. Brian also described him as being a boisterous character, someone with so much energy and that youthful exuberance that worked well, especially when you were playing three centre-backs. What are your memories of him?
1: Oh, just a great, great guy. and Another guy that... Um, the, the thing about all these guys I am mentioning, um, you know, along with Mark Draper, Tommy Johnson, Gary Charles, we all used to socialise off the pitch as well. And, you know, there'd be six seven eight of us going out of an evening and and socializing and and we all got on so well um and Hugo was one of those you know I've got loads of pictures of myself and Hugo and and the lads when we used to go out and stuff and yeah it's such a shame that he, he passed away in the way he did and um it'd be sadly missed but he was a hell of a player hell of a player and fully deserved his England England caps that he got and should have got more really but um yeah, he's, he's such a rock for us, so so, so so big and strong and really difficult to get past and uh, a really, really good player.
0: In terms of the League Cup success in 96, so many people focus on the final against Leeds United, but the semi-final against Arsenal, it takes some doing to beat the Arsenal side of that era over two legs.
1: Uh, yeah, I, again, like said, I said, I did an interview with Brian the other day and... Um, we mentioned, I mentioned that and said that game was probably tougher than the final because, like you say, the players that Arsenal had at the time, and there was fantastic games that we had against them, especially the one at Highbury, um, where, and we weren't expected to beat them. So, um, yeah, it was, it was brilliant, and it's so, so good to be part of that. Um, I'm sure, I wasn't, I'm not sure if I was injured for the second leg against Arsenal, I might have been coming back from injury, but um, such a special occasion. Um, Those semi-finals, two-legged semi-finals under the lights were were fantastic.
0: When you're going to Wembley in a cup final for Villa, you'd had the success with Port Vale, but you also had the the disappointment with Port Vale as well. How did that help you prepare for this final?
1: Well, I definitely knew what to expect. And um, like you said, I'd felt, both sides of the both sides of the coin so um, yeah I don't know I, I didn't really think about um, the games that I'd had before I think I one of the biggest things I was concentrating on was better, being better than Carlton Palmer <laughs> 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 that, I was, that I was playing against because you know in those days you uh, you always knew who you were gonna play directly up against and you just wanted to win that battle with them. And I always thought my battle was going to be against Carlton Palmer. Because um, a lot of people, I don't know whether right or wrong, compared me to him. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to get the better of him. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm hopeful. Well, I'm, I hope that I did on the day.
0: <laughs> well, you certainly did on the day as a team. And, and in terms <laughs> of yourself, you mentioned being desperate to score at Wembley. It's every young boy's dream. You make that happen in this final, a 3-0 victory. As finals go, it was comprehensive.
1: Yeah, um, it pretty much went the way that, um, that we wanted to. It's a perfect cup final, really. You know, we, we weren't really in that much trouble. Um, scored three really good goals and uh, you know, myself included, luckily. Uh, it came a little bit off my shin, but don't tell too many people that. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it's in the record books, 1-3-0 and, and I was a goal scorer. So, yeah, and, you know one of the biggest things that sticks out right now is that it's still the last trophy that we we won. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping that a a little bit of me, a little part of me says, I'm hoping that they'll break that hoodoo soon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And in terms of that success, as as I've mentioned a few times, being a fan of the club, when you achieve success with your club, just sum up what that means in the celebrations. Well, it just
1: makes it, that much um mean that much more because you've got family and you've got friends and and you know people that i've grown up with and and associated for, in the city that uh, that are supporters of the club and it means that much more to them as well knowing somebody and being a friend of someone who's they've grown up with in the city who supports the football club and uh, it just means that much more so um yeah, it's, it's, it was a real, real nice position to be in.
0: It is a nice position to be in. And, and again, it's the success that, that's still there for Villa fans to remember today. Eventually, Brian Little leaves the club. He's replaced by John Gregory. What was that like from your perspective and how did John compare to Brian? Because they had different styles.
1: Yeah, they had different styles. I mean, um, John had coached under Brian as well. So he kind of knew... Um, his philosophy, he knew the club's philosophy, and I think that was part of why he was brought on board. Um, it, was, it was a disappointment when Brian left because obviously he signed myself and, and I had a good relationship with him. Um, but, you know, look, luckily for me, it's, with some players, it's difficult when a new manager comes in because uh, they like certain styles, they like certain players. And, you know, luckily for me, John Gregory liked the way I played. So um, I was, uh, you know, I was a bit of a mainstay in the team for, for him as well.
0: You were a mainstay in the team, not only in the league but also in the European run that the club had. What was it like playing in European football as, as well as playing domestically?
1: It's fantastic. Um, you know, Villa Park under the lights in European games is just something else. The, the atmosphere is just unreal, and um, it was great experience going to all these different countries and playing against playing against teams that I'd only seen on the TV, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So um, yeah, and we had some fantastic games as well. Um, and I was lucky, lucky enough to, to score in a few. And uh, like I said, to, to sample scoring on lights like that is just something else and it's a great experience.
0: Mainstay in the team, as we've talked about, you scored crucial goals. You'd scored winning goals against the likes of Liverpool um, as well. But one of the games that I have to ask you about is the game against Coventry, where you get both goals and a a Villa win. When you score both goals and you win a match, just what does that feel like?
1: Um, Well, I was slightly disappointed because I've never got a hat-trick in my career. (laughs) But um, I've got a few braces. But... um... Yeah, it was always nice to score against Coventry because obviously the, the local rivals as well. So, um, and especially at their place, which, which was good. But um, yeah, those games were, were something else as well. It's, it's difficult right, right now where we've got no fans in the stadium. It's such a far cry from what we used to have and what I used to play in front of it's um it's just something else to to play in those games because of the atmosphere and and whatnot and because we were doing so well um it's the atmosphere at matches was just fantastic and uh it's something i do miss um the atmosphere at games but obviously i still i well up until covid last year um i still sample that on occasions but um to play in front of crowds and to play in front of 40 odd thousand was just something
0: else. One of the big signings that John Gregory makes is, is Paul Merson. What was your reaction when mm. Paul came to the club? Because what people think of, this is what frustrates me. You know I'm only 25, but so many younger people think him has just been on soccer Saturday, but what a player he was when you actually look at the footballer he was, his ability was insane.
1: Yeah. yeah fantastic. And he's, He'd probably come to us
0: after his best
1: days as well, and he was still a hell of a player. Um, when you think about it, he was an England international. He'd played at Arsenal for years, played with some top, top players, won, won loads of stuff as well. And, um, you know, he was known as a joker and and whatnot. And he was still, he mentioned earlier about characters and everything. And he was a, he was another one, amazing character. And a, a lot of the things with these guys that I've mentioned is that, you know, I still still got the phone numbers now, still speak to them now. And we, we all became good mates as well. So, um, and, and Merce is one of those. But what a player. Um, he used to use the outside of his right foot countless times. And, uh, you know, he was just so good with it. But um, and we, to be honest, me and Merce, we had a bit of a connection as well, because... You know, the assists that he had for myself were, were just unreal. And uh, he always used to find me in the box and uh, and get the odd goal. But, um, you know, he, he liked players like myself because I'd make runs that he could find, find me with. So, uh, yeah, we had that special connection.
0: In addition to Merce, you've also got younger players who were coming into the squad at that time. The likes of Lee Hendry, uh, the likes of yeah. Gareth Barry as well, who went on to have very good careers in their own right. For yourself, being a local lad and a homegrown player, did you take it upon yourself to try and give those guys some words of advice as they were coming through and wanting to go on and play as many games as you had at that point? Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: Gareth was like, he was in the team at 16, 17. I think John Gregory gave him his debut at. And, you know, he just had loads and loads of ability. And he was so level-headed for a young guy uh, and for a young player. Um, you always knew that he was going to be a, a top, top player. Um, he was just unruffled with anything and just took everything in his stride. He was a, he was a quiet lad, but he, what a hell of a player. And uh, Lee, Lee was a, probably a little bit different. Um, he was a bit more flamboyant and uh, it, but, but what an engine. People don't realise that um, Lee could run all day. And he, he, the engine on him was unbelievable. But he had the skill to go with it, and uh, I think John Gregory really, really liked him as a player. And um, again, he came into the team as a youngster and uh, and never looked back. we both both really, really good talents, and both deservedly uh, England uh, internationals as well.
0: You win the the league cup as we've talked about with Villa. You also get to the FA Cup final. This time it's against Chelsea. You win in penalties against Bolton in the semis. Going to Wembley in that game, how, how did you feel as a squad? Because I think when you look back at that game, you were very unlucky on the day. You had more attempts than Chelsea. And really, you were the better side on the day. They just happened to get the goal through Di Matteo.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it wasn't the greatest cup final in the world. And uh, it's one of our, if you ask any of those lads who played that day, you know, we knew we were well capable, capable of winning that that day. Um, but we just didn't perform. But Chelsea didn't either. So, um, yeah, it was, a, I think it was a, might have been a bit of a mistake from David James and, uh, and Di Matteo just smashed it into the roof of the net. But there wasn't that much between the teams at all. Um, but to, to get to an FA Cup final, go all that way and, and losing the final like the way we did was, uh, was disappointing, really disappointing.
0: You finished sixth in the league that season. That you're runners up in the FA Cup. You also got to the League Cup semi-finals. And the top scorer in the league was Dion Dublin. What's Dion like? Because again, the younger generation maybe know Dion now as a presenter and a pundit, but he was a good footballer when he played as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was another great signing for us. Um, it cost quite a bit of money at the time, but um, again, he was. You know, Dion got into the England squad. He scored countless goals for us. And and again, he became a good friend and a good mate as somebody, you know, I pick up the phone to now. So, um, like I said, another great signing. We had a a really, really good side then again and um, probably should have done a little bit more. But um, no, I've got nothing but good things to say about Dion. And one of the good things about Dion is that he was the kind of striker that I liked as well, that could hold the ball up and that I could make runs off as well. So, um, and, and he, he made a few goals for me as well. So, uh, yeah, really good times.
0: And Merson was a and maverick with incredible talent. And you bring another one in, and David Ginola. Just what was he like? Yeah. Because he was another that, when you think of that Newcastle era, and even the Spurs era, very flamboyant, but could create a moment of magic out of nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's... Um, he's such a good guy, such a great, great guy. And... Uh, again keep in touch with David now and he's the kind of guy that would uh would do anything for you and you know I've got a funny story about um my my wife um she's a she owns her own hair salon in in Nottingham and it was it was around the time when David was doing all the hair products uh with adverts on tv and everything and my wife asked me one day, we were, she was opening a new salon, and she asked me, do you think David had, do you think David had uh, opened the salon for me? I says, are you kidding? He's is is this top star, and he's, he's on TV doing adverts with L'Oreal and whatnot, whatnot, and she said, "Oh, please, please ask him to do it, please. And I thought, oh, all right, I'm going to ask him to do it. But I asked him to do it, and he said yes, So, and he came to Nottingham. Um, and and opened my wife's salon and there were loads of people there and you know wanting to talk to him and 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 whatnot. and I just thought it was just testament to him that he'd go out of his way just to come and open my wife's salon. That wasn't just up the road it was in Nottingham 40 40 miles away and uh, and he came and did it and I just thought you know that's brilliant that's just the kind of guy he was and um, you know he probably came to Villa after his best days another one but You know, what a guy. And uh, he still had some moments of magic when he played for us as well.
0: John Gregory, again, just like Brian, was a a big character, a big figure in in terms of the, the managerial stakes for the Villa. He eventually leaves the club and his replacement is Graham Taylor. What was Graham like to work with? Because another who sadly passed on, but such a gentleman is what players always say about Graham.
1: Yeah, it's... I mean, when Graham came in, it was coming towards... I was... Probably 32 or something, 31, 32. Um, so I was getting, I was getting on a bit, and um, it was one of those where I was picking up, I was picking up little injuries here and there. But I was Graham's kind of player, and his style was a little bit different um, to the managers that we'd had before. Um, he had to change the team around a little bit as well, and some new players came in. And, um, you know, we, we did struggle a, a little bit. But, um, when I, you know, when I was fit, I played. But, um, yeah, it's probably one of those where, you know, Graham had a, a fantastic time the first time round at Villa and it's probably a hard hard act to follow. And, um, yeah, he found it difficult the time when he came back.
0: A difficult time when he comes back. You mentioned the fact that you're coming towards the end, how do you reflect on your playing career with Villa over the piece? Because as I've said, you, you win a trophy with the club, you get to a final, you're playing in Europe, you're getting top six finishes in the Premier League. I mean, when you look back at it, it's it's the sort of career and the sort of place that the club would want to be again now more consistently.
1: Well, yeah, you look back and you think, that's probably the most successful time we've had for a, for a long, long time. So to to be involved in that was something special and um you know i still get fans um, saying now that uh, you know they're comparing the side that we've got now to to the side that we've that we had then and hoping that we can bring those times back from when i was playing so that's a nice nice thing to hear and um it's the biggest accolade you can have really is that fans are comparing teams to to the team i was in so yeah, it's uh, it's nice to hear.
0: You leave Villa and you join Derby County under a fellow Scotsman mm-hmm. and George Burley. You're named captain, top scorer in your first season. Slightly difficult season for the club, given the position they were in. But for you personally, top scorer, you stay up. You're the captain. It must have been it must have been something that you took pride in, given the circumstances.
1: Yeah, massive pride. Um, you know, obviously, it was disappointing leaving Villa, but um, I totally understood why. But um, you know, I made a conscious effort to to keep myself fit and uh, and strong when I went to Derby because I wanted to prove to people that I could still still do a job. And um, funny enough, one of the one of Derby's first preseason games when I went to them was against Villa, <laughs> and I actually scored the winner in the friendly for Derby, which was like I had both sets of fans singing my name, which was unbelievable uh, at Pride Park. So that's another quirky thing that's happened in my career but yeah to go to derby uh, george burley basically got me in because um you know it was well documented that they'd paid there were there were players there who were on big money like ravinelli and and uh, and iranio people like that king Cadsley king Kudzli had gone and um that's a rebuild and they needed you know the likes of myself and and some others to come in and just steady the ship basically and just keep them in the division and um Yeah, I had a a great season, scored 12 goals and he made me captain and I was playing alongside the likes of Tom Huddleston who went on to do great things as well. And, you know, you had a 33-year-old playing with a 16-year-old in midfield. So, um, yeah, it was good to be able to pass on my experience to the likes of Tom Huddleston and, and see him go on to great things.
0: 20th place in that first season, as we say, which was a difficult season with the restructuring. George Burley and the club get it right. Again, you captain the squad, this time finishing fourth in the championship, which given the competitive nature of that league, as you know, from being a player and being a pundit, a really good season. But ultimately in the end, how disappointing were those playoffs against Preston?
1: Yeah, Preston were a bogey team for us. And um, yeah, we just couldn't get past them. Um, yeah, it was disappointing. But um, yeah, that season I was, I think towards the end of the season, I was, again, I was in and out the team and um, we we did struggle towards the, you know, in the playoffs. But yeah, again, you know, it was just nice to, oh, it was great to be part of a, a team that was trying to achieve things. And that's one thing I've had all through my career, really. So most of the time I've been at the at the top end of the table fighting for stuff. So um, yeah, that, that's one of the things I can look back on and, and think, yeah. You know, I've been able to achieve something in in some kind of way at the teams that I've been at.
0: After Derby, you joined Northampton Town, and I have to be honest with you, Ian, I really admire the fact that you went and played for a club at like Northampton, and Northampton, of course, are a, a good club in their own right, but you hear some ex-pros who say, look, when I've played at Premier League or Championship, I don't really want to have to go down, and I don't want to go down. You go there, and again, you back yourself. You make the impact. The club gets promoted under Colin Calderwood, albeit it was at a different level. Obviously, you were there at Port Vale at the start of your career. But how do you reflect on the time at Northampton, uh, given it was the end of your career? Because again, you still have success.
1: Yeah, brilliant, um, brilliant. Like I just said, um, it was great to go somewhere and have a and have an impact. And you know, and now I'm part of Northampton's history as well, which is. Which is fantastic at the age of 30, what, six, 37 or was at the time. So, um, you know, and contributing as well. And I only went there because basically Colin Calderwood, who was my teammate at Villa, had, had become manager there. And, and he said, Look, please come because we want players like you who experienced and we've got a chance of getting promotion. and um, And that's what happened. And, you know, it's just brilliant that I could have uh, an influence on some of the younger players who were there because, you know, there there were young players there who went on to, you know, are still playing now, uh, the likes of Bradley Johnson, who's at Blackburn, um, Mark Bunn, who was goalkeeper at Villa, um, Luke Chambers, he's at Ipswich, do you know what I mean? So there was some, I played with Sean Dyche, who was was playing at the back then as well, Um, Ian Jess, um, Scottish International. Um, you know, so we, as a team, you know, we had a good blend of experience and youth, and um, and we got over the line in the end, which was just amazing.
0: You get over the line, you have that achievement. The following season, you play in League One with the club. The club survives, comfortably survives. When you look at the the league standings, what, what again? Another unique element of football that I absolutely love. During your last professional game, a, a, a number of Villa fans go to the game because it's your last professional game. I mean, if that doesn't sum up how highly regarded you are by the Villa fans, nothing will.
1: I know, I know. It's just weird because, you know, when we came, we came out to warm up and you're looking around thinking, there's a lot more people here than there usually is. (laughs) And, um, you know, and then as part of the crowd starts singing my name and you just think, and then sort of word got round that um, there were a load of Villa fans that had come down to the game. And I just thought, you know just amazing and such a great gesture because I didn't really have um the send-off that I wanted to have when I left Villa so you know it was great that there was a a proportion of the fans that wanted to come and and give me a proper send-off and it was just brilliant and you know it was planned for me to come off um 15 minutes before the end and uh you know I had a nice standing ovation when I came off and but then all the Villa fans went home. <laughs> 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 they didn't even stay till the end of the game. They all went home. So, uh, But it was nice. no. It was brilliant. It was so, so good. And uh, really appreciated what they did.
0: When you retire from football, you have a career in punditry that you have now. But one of the other interesting aspects that I want to ask you about is your, your passion for music. You've got your own audio company producing headphones, similar to Dion Dublin.
1: Yeah, I've got... You can see my record collection behind me. Um, yeah, I've always been interested in music, and uh, you know, funny, funny enough that yeah, I, I ended up with my own headphone brand, and that's basically basically coming back because I've got there's a manufacturer who, who was a Villa fan, and um, and had the idea of getting me involved in a new brand and developing a new brand, and and um, yeah, it's something that I I've sort of jumped at and just wanted to be involved in. And, um, you know, we ended up going to the Far East and, uh, and you know, going to factories and sorting headphones out and you know, what they look like and how they sound. And it was brilliant. And it was so, so good because I've, it's one of those things where I've, I've never been, I've never had the inclination to sort of go into coaching or anything. I've always wanted to sort of work on the outside of football or, or getting involved in some other industry. And, um, it was great that I got involved in, in the audio industry and, uh, and it's still going now, which I'm really, really proud of. Um, so, yeah, I've got, still got my one foot in football and then, you know, another foot in, in other stuff as well.
0: The last question I've got for you, two random quickfire questions based on the music and based on your career. First one based on the music, what would you say your, your sort of favourite artists are? And the one based on football, as a Villa fan, what would you say your favourite kit was from your time playing for the Villa?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, favourite artist? I like my hip-hop. I like a, a tribe called Quest. Um, do, 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 do. Favourite shirt would have to be... Probably... Probably the one, the white AST one that we played in in Europe. Because it was um, it was a shirt that wasn't sort of readily available that much, and we only wore it in uh, a few times in Europe and whatnot. We played all in white, and yeah, that's probably the one that I like wearing the most. My favourite Villa shirt of all time, though, has got to be the uh, the white one that uh, we won the European Cup in.
0: Well that's the thing, you've been a Villa fan You've been a Villa player and now you're an ambassador For the club as well You've talked about your passion for the club And your career in the game And once again I just want to thank you for your time I really do appreciate it
1: No problem Callum, enjoyed it, thank you So we'll dive
0: down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our will all be open They'll be filled with song They'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make her home in a deep sea cave. And her shells will all be open. They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song.